please turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16, where we're going to look at manna from the wilderness or manna from heaven uh, that was given to them. Our theme for this communion season, both this evening and twice next Sabbath day, will be on this theme of heavenly food. Heavenly food. I don't know, probably everybody's heard this phrase, you are what you eat. There's a certain level of truth to that, isn't there? There's, uh, we are affected by what we put into our bodies, physically, and so we are affected by what we put into our souls, spiritually. And it's far more serious, isn't it, with our spiritual bodies, because this is for eternity. And we're going to be looking at spiritual food, a food that is far more important than anything we can put into our bodies, Because as we come before the Lord's table, the Sabbath coming, we ought not to think of it just as physical bread and as the fruit of the vine or the cup. What's set before us is Christ. What's set before us is the greatest food that can be offered to anyone. Christ himself. Truly he is manna from heaven. And it's God alone who can sustain us. Far more important than any physical Food. In a moment, we're going to read from Exodus chapter 16, but just before we do read that, we're going to read as well the terms of membership as we think about coming before the Lord's table. And the, th- the terms of membership, really, we should think of it as really what, what, what does it look like to be a Christian? None of us are perfect. And I don't want us to think that you have to be a perfect Christian to come. If you have faith, come. What does it look like to have faith in Jesus Christ, to follow Christ, to be fed by Christ, to feed on Christ? These are our terms of membership of the Reformed Presbyterian Church of Ireland. And we ask that all those, both members and friends of the church who come, would accept these terms of membership as they come to receive the elements of the Lord's Supper next Sabbath day. Uh, The first term of membership is this, this, I accept the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments as the word of God and the only infallible rule of faith and practice. Number two, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, the only redeemer of men, supreme in church and state, and in dependence on divine grace, I take him as my savior and Lord. Number three, I promise by divine grace to show a teachable and submissive spirit to the teaching of Holy Scripture as set forth in the testimony of the Reformed Presbyterian Church of Ireland. I promise that by the help of the Holy Spirit, I will endeavor to live a life consistent with my profession. And there you see it, there's no perfection needed there, but what there is, is hunger to grow. A hunger to be fed, a hunger to feed our souls on heavenly food. And as we come before the Lord's table, we ask you this question. Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Exodus uh, chapter 16. Now we're going to read all of this chapter. Let us hear God's holy and his infallible word. 
And they journeyed from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month, after they departed from the land of Egypt. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the pots of meat, and when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Then Moses and Aaron said to all the children of Israel, At evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your complaints against the Lord. But of what are we that you complain against us? Also Moses said, This shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening, and in the morning bread to the full. For the Lord hears your complaints, which you make against him. And what are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses spoke to Aaron, Say to all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord. For he has heard your complaints. Now it came to pass, as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness. And behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I have heard the complaints of the children of Israel. Speak to them, saying, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So it was that quail came up at evening and covered the camp in the morning. The dew lay all around the camp, and when the layer of dew lifted, there was on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance, as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing that the, Lord, that the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's need. One omer for each person according to the number of persons. Let every man take for those who are in his tent. For the children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less. So when they measured it by omers, he who gathered much had nothing left over. And he who gathered little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to each one's need, and Moses said, Let no one leave any of it till morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses, but some of them left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was angry with them. So they gathered it every morning, every man according to his need, and when the sun became hot, it melted. And so it was on the sixth day that they gathered twice as much bread, Two omers for each one, and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. Then he said to them, This is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today, and boil what you will boil, 
and lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. So they laid it up till morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink, nor were there any worms in it. And Moses said, eat that today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. Now it came that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. And the house of Israel called its name manna. And it was like white coriander seed. And the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Then Moses said, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Fill an omer with it to be kept for your generations. They may see the bread which I have fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, Take a pot and put an omer of manna in it and lay it before the Lord to be kept for your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. And the children of Israel ate manna forty years until they came to an inhabited land. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Now an omer is one-tenth of an ephah. And may the Lord bless the reading of his holy and his infallible word. Why does God do this, what we see in our text? Why does God do this? Why, and we could even think about coming up on the Sabbath day. Why does God set before us, in the Lord's Supper, bread and the cup? Why does he do that? Signs and seals of the body and blood of his dear son. Why does he send manna to the people of Israel in the wilderness? Why does he do such things? Well, we as mere creatures, as sinners, we're so easy to forget the blessings of knowing God. We, we forget how much we depend on God. And God, in these very simple ways, shows us we depend on him. What we have, you know, when we have nice houses, nice buildings, and we thank God for these things, but we can often forget God gave them to us. Sometimes we can think, my hard work got me this nice house. My hard work got me this nice car, or whatever it is. No, anything good that you have comes from God. God provides, or we have nothing. Nothing at all. And food is a very basic element, isn't it? What happens without food? You die. I think everybody understands. In the world, if you don't have food, you cannot survive. We need God to survive. Not just survive, even live. Forever and ever. So as we look at this text here this evening, Exodus chapter 16, let us think about what does it mean? To be fed with heavenly food. And what does it mean to be fed with this food that God gives us. Raining down from, from heaven. 
Our first point that we're going to look at here this evening is the source of this food. The source of this food. Where does the food come from? What makes the food so special? In verse 4 of our text in Exodus 16, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from where? From heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day. But it's from heaven. Bread from heaven. We can easily forget how special it is to be fed by God. And not just physical food, that's special as well in its own way, but to be in the presence of God and to be fed by him spiritually because of the source of where this food comes from and what this food is feeding our souls. Because if we don't see how special this food is, we can neglect feeding our souls. We can neglect reading of the Bible, prayer, and other things. The people of Israel, delivered by God at this time, from bondage and slavery in Egypt, well, they were beginning to forget, weren't they? They were beginning to forget how special this food was from heaven. And so... In response to their complaints, the Lord gives them bread. Verses 2 and 3, it records these complaints that were made by the children of Israel against Moses and Aaron. It says in verse 2, And the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in, in the land of Egypt. We sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. Isn't it amazing? What were they like in Egypt? Were they happy? No, they cried out to the Lord. They were miserable. But now they're looking back and go, oh, things were a lot better in the past, weren't they? Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. Things were much better. Things are much worse now. It must be these two, Moses and Aaron. But the complaints aren't really against Moses and Aaron. At its core, it really has nothing to do with Moses and Aaron. Really, and sadly, the complaints are against God. Look at verse 8. It says here, And Moses said, This shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening, and in the morning bread to the full, for the Lord hears your complaints, which you make against him. And what are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. And Again, it was all to do with they forgot to see how special the spiritual food was from God. This is what happens. We treat it just like anything else and we think, oh look, life was better in Egypt. And that's what they began to think. When we, feel, when we fail to see how special the food from heaven is, it's so easy to complain. We all do it. We all do it. Myself included. And as soon as I catch myself doing it, I have to repent. And tell the Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for not taking special care with this food from heaven you've given me. I have no reason to complain against God. When we see how special this food is, this food from heaven, we're willing to suffer for it. And when we see how special this food is, it's worth special love and attention. We, began to, we begin to see Cain and Ahead as far better 
we don't want to go back to Egypt, do we? Why would we want to go back to Egypt? It was miserable. Pharaoh um, made our lives full of bondage. Sin is a cruel taskmaster. But Egypt really represents the wisdom of the world. And God's ways, at the beginning, you may look at, really? You want us to go that way into the wilderness? Are you serious? We're all going to die that way. God's ways from human eyes look ridiculous. But we have to look at them with the eyes of faith. With the corrective lenses of the scriptures. And to consider where this food directing our path comes from. It comes from heaven. It's really sad, dear friends, because the, the people in the middle of Israel, in the, in the wilderness, were starting to think that it was better without God. And, you know, when, when, when we sin, and when we drift away from the Lord, this is what happens. The pleasures of sin seem so great for a season, but they only seem for a short time. Certain times. And that lust, that pet sin, maybe nobody else knows about it, it may satisfy you for a period of time, but after a while it's like gravel in your mouth. Sin lies to us. It does nothing to really quench the thirst. But we sometimes can think that. Remember, this is God's people. This is God's people it's speaking about here in this text. Was... Moses really leading them to death, verse 3. This is the accusation. Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. Look at the accusation against Moses. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. It's quite the accusation, isn't it? And it looked like that to them. You've, you brought us out here. Why have you brought us out here? What's here? There's, it's wilderness. You have to remember they're in the middle of a wilderness. And there's no obvious signs of fruit that they will see in Canaan. Canaan is filled with fruit. Amazing fruit. But we walk by what? Faith and not by sight. And friends, it's not easy. We have to keep going back to scripture to remind ourselves of how special this food is from Scripture. We don't always see the evidences, and it's not always obvious. But this heavenly food, this heavenly wisdom, we ought to see it as different. This food comes from heaven. Imagine, to try and get this into a kind of a story form, a father is walking with his son through the forest. And the son doesn't know where he's going. He has to trust and depend on his father. He takes his father by the hand. Now imagine if that son is saying. Where are we going? I want to know where we're going next. It might be a very very difficult trip. But he's trust. He doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know where the trail is. And imagine if he just says. No I, I'm going to go my own way. The, the son wanders off. Doesn't know the trail. Thinks he knows the trail. Gets lost. He must trust his father to find the safe way back home. To get back to the house where there'll be food, where there'll be shelter, where there'll be warmth. The boy lost in the woods is without the father's help. 
And dear friends, without this heavenly food, we're all blind. We're like that lost boy in the woods. We need the Lord, in a sense, to take us by the hand and guide us. We may not understand it at the time. But the Lord knows best for us. So this is source. Next, we're going to look at the superiority or the fact that this food is better. It's better than anything in the world. Uh, verses 11, 12, and 13. Verses 11, 12, and 13 of Exodus, chapter 16. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I have heard the complaints of the children of Israel speak to them, saying, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God. Isn't it just amazing? How gracious God is. Even in the midst of complaints, the Lord says, I will show you with tokens of his love and his mercy that I'm going to take care of you. Did they deserve it? No. So it was when the quail came up at evening, verse 13, and covered the camp in the morning, the dew lay all around the camp, and when the layer of dew lifted, there was in the surface of the wilderness a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground. And this is the manna from heaven. This food is better, not just because it it tastes nice, where it leads It leads to another place. It leads away from a city of destruction and leads toward a heavenly home. All these are pictures of our own journey. Today we're in the wilderness. If we've turned our back on sin, we've said goodbye to Egypt. But the world, the flesh, and the devil wants us back under its control. The devil would love to sift you as wheat. Pharaoh, you could say, wants you. What did Moses do when he left that land of Egypt? By faith, it says in Hebrews 11, 24 and 25, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy what? The passing pleasures of sin. The passing pleasures of sin. So Moses saw the value of Christ. He saw, look at what he gave up. He gave up royalty. He gave up this massive kingdom that he was part of if he would just follow it. But no, he he said no to that. And he chose to suffer. He chose to suffer. With the people of God. Because he saw the glory ahead. By faith he did that. To follow Christ in this world. It is a bit of a wilderness isn't it? In the wilderness there's not a lot of water. And in the, in the wilderness we're so thirsty. What's going to quench our thirst? Christ. Like nothing else. To follow Christ in this world is really to suffer. But Moses, by faith, chose a heavenly superior food to the world. You know, he he could have all that he wanted by the food of this world, but he chose heavenly food. And as we see through here, God gives us what we need. Not always what we want, but what we need. Sometimes, he does not give us what we pray for. 
Sometimes what we're praying for isn't the best thing for us. But God's ways are better. If he has set his love on you, then you're being changed today on a daily basis by heavenly food. This manna from on high. And as you eat this different food, I don't know if you've ever tried to eat different types of food. At first, you know, you might try Indian and it tastes a bit funny, but then after a while, the spice doesn't bother you so much. And actually, after a while, you start craving it, don't you? Um, Or dark chocolate. I remember the first time I tried dark chocolate. It was very bitter. I love dark chocolate now. But your taste buds change. And it's the same with heavenly food. The more you eat and drink of Christ, the more you're going to have a craving for this. If you keep eating it, the more you'll hunger for it. And this heavenly food, it's superior in another way because it brings us wisdom. It brings us wisdom. It talks about this in James chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. Yeah, 13 to 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. That's the food of Egypt. Verse 16, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above, that's our heavenly food, this wisdom that feeds our souls, is first pure, then peaceable, it's gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace. By those who make peace. So this this food changes us. It makes us different. And it's much better for our souls. Than the food of this world. Than the food of Egypt. That they were so craving for. When they were complaining. They were craving for the wrong food. We must consume the right food. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, trusting in him. It's not always easy to follow Christ in this world. There will be challenges. And the devil will try our exhaustion. We're tired. We may hit points of frustration. But we must continue to see God's ways are far, far better than man's. Number three, now the sufficiency. The sufficiency. And sufficiency means it's enough. And going away from the world, the world's going to say to you, and you're going to hear this accusation a lot, well, well, by following the Bible, you're lacking this. Oh, yes, you can do this, but you're missing this. The devil is happy when Christians lose confidence in God's ways. He can't make you lose your salvation. That's impossible if you've already trusted in Jesus. But what, what can he do? He can... Make you lose confidence in the word when the Christian is no longer willing to suffer for him. God's ways must be seen as as they are enough to deliver God's people. So God brought them out of Egypt. And God will provide that food for the 40 years that they were in the wilderness. 
And what would happen? That manor would be finished at the end of 40 years. Why? Because they needed it for those 40 years. And then they're into Canaan. He would provide everything needed for their journey. Everything needed. Because when the people began to complain, when we begin to complain against God, what we're really saying is, God is not enough. God is not enough. And sometimes it will manifest itself in different ways. Sometimes we will want to return to the world, to Egypt. The pull of the world will seem more attractive than it was before. And the devil will make you fall out with people as well. He will. He loves to cause division among God's people. But we must remember in the midst of all this, God showed them tokens of his love, not because they deserved it, They're complaining, remember this. He still shows them tokens of his love, gestures that he would feed them with enough for the journey. Verses 15 and 16 of our text. Verses 15 and 16 of our text. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they do not know what it is. And Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. See what he's teaching you. This is the Lord's bread which he's given you to eat. Verse 16, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's what? Need. Necessity. We need this food. We need the Lord to provide for us. Because we are in a spiritual wilderness in the world. And unless we're depending on God, we have no other form or source of food. We depend completely on and utterly upon him. Verse 18 of our text as well, it says this. Verse number 18 of Exodus 16. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses. But some of them left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. So, even in the midst of all that God had done for them, he kept showing them tokens of his mercy. There were still people who held back from obeying what the Lord had commanded. And it seems astonishing to us, doesn't it? But do we do this at times? Do you ever read your Bible and go, I can't believe they would do that? And you get all kind of maybe annoyed with what you read in the Bible. And then you look at your own conduct and go, whoa, what did I just do five minutes ago? There's elements of this in all of us. There's elements of this in all of us. Now Moses was angry. I think sometimes we can think of anger as always wrong. It's not. Even the Lord Jesus Christ got angry at times. It just depends on what it's about. It's not always wrong. The question is, is it for righteous reasons, righteous anger? Or is it for selfish, self-serving reasons? It says in Ephesians 4, Verses 25 to 27, therefore putting us away lying, let each one of you speak truth to his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Now, not all anger is sinful, but we must not give place to the devil. The 
Anger is a very, very dangerous place to be and the devil is prowling, ready to pounce at the door. We must not be a person always given to anger either. But Jesus himself, it's not always bad, is it? Jesus himself is meek and lowly and when he saw what was going on in the temple, a place of prayer to God, how did Jesus react? John 2, verses 13 to 17. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and money changers doing business. Basically what should not happen in the temple. And when he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. And when he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remember that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. So if it is zeal for the Lord's holiness, if it is zeal for the the honor of God, we will have righteous anger at times, as Moses did here. We want to see everyone follow God. Friends, do you see that Christ is truly, truly food and drink? He is enough. By having him, we don't lack anything. You see, if we think he's enough, we keep going back to him. And we don't just take part of him. We take the whole of Christ, all of Christ, to the glory of Christ. Because he is enough. We don't lack anything. We don't lack anything from the Egypt we've left behind. We have enough in Canaan. And if you're saying in your heart here this evening, Jesus is enough. He is enough to feed me and to bring me home to heaven. Come to the Lord's table this Sabbath morning. The Lord's table is certainly for you. And our final point, number four, the sanctification. The sanctification are to be made more holy. So the source, the superiority, the sufficiency, the sanctification number four. Eating of this food will bring you closer to God. If we're being fed, it's going to change how we live. It's going to change us. Closer to following his law. We even see it here in how they gathered up uh, the manna. There were six days of gathering manna, and on the sixth day, so that they could keep the Sabbath day, twice as much was given on the sixth day. It says in verse 22 and verse 23, and so it was on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread. And verse 23, then he said to them, this is what the Lord has said, tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So in the gathering up, And in the eating and gathering of this spiritual heavenly food, well, it's really physical food, but really pointing toward food from on high, it brings them more in conformity to the law of God. And part of that law is the fourth commandment. It's interesting, actually, as well. Um, The fourth commandment doesn't start with Moses in Exodus 20. This is before Exodus 20. Where did this come from? Where did the Sabbath law come from? From the first day 
of rest. God rested from all his works. And by the way, God did not need a rest. But he set a pattern for us to follow. Even in the midst of the law, in Exodus 20, it says this, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Now, this, now that Sabbath day was on the seventh day of the week in the Old Testament. Now it's on our first day of the week, otherwise known as Sunday today. The Sabbath was given to Adam. And the Sabbath was made for man and not man for Sabbath. It's a tremendous blessing, but it's still a commandment. A day of worship. A day of refreshment. We don't have to think of, is it a commandment or is it a blessing? It's both. God's commandments are blessings if we keep them. These are part of the Ten Commandments written with the finger of God. This is what makes them different. They're written with the finger of God on tablets of stone. So even as we look at Moses and Aaron and the people of Israel, they're gathering up this this food from on high, this heavenly food. What's the pattern? You can see that even it's pointing towards, no, don't forget the Sabbath. No, keep the Sabbath. Keep it holy unto the Lord. Because it will test and see, do we keep the commandments of God? Verses 27 onwards. Now it happened, verse 27, that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather. Some people didn't listen. Some people just said, yeah, yeah, that's that Sabbath thing. Maybe they ignored it. Who knows what was going on in their mind. But they went out on that day anyway, but found none. In verse 28, and the Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? You see, it's not just like, how long do you just refuse to keep that commandment? They all go together. Our attitude to one is our attitude to all. How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath, therefore... Gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. Later on, there was more Sabbaths given. You probably noticed that when you read the book of Leviticus and things. But that was later. All the way from creation, all the way to the end of time, there's a Sabbath. And even when we go into eternity, there will be a Sabbath. Where we'll worship him for all eternity. And we'll enjoy, friends, what what food will we enjoy in heaven? You know, it's exciting, isn't it? We should be excited about heaven. Often we don't think enough about heaven. This, this evening, maybe you're here and maybe you're struggling. You're thinking, I'm not sure if I should come to the Lord's table this Sabbath day. Look, friend, if you're looking to Jesus alone, you have no confidence in yourself. You're not seeking. You're going to struggle at times. I'm not saying you're not going to struggle. But you're not seeking to go back to Egypt. You're looking to Christ alone. Imperfectly, yes, of course. But if, you're, if you've got weak faith, the, the supper is especially for you. It's not for the super Christian. Don't get into that trap. There are some places you'll go there and you have to feel like you reach this height in order to be at the Lord's Supper. No, 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 no. Faith 
in Jesus Christ. That's what's needed to come to the Lord's table. To be fed. And so when we come before the bread and the cup, don't think about just bread and a cup, a physical cup. By faith we see Christ. By faith we see our nourishment. By faith we see, oh, what tokens of love he has set before us. That even though I may complain at times against God, even though I sin, I'm still his child. And he still loves me and I have no idea why. Well, we do know why, don't we? Because of Christ. He loves us because of Christ. He cares for us because of Christ. And don't let the devil, friends, keep you away from the Lord's table this Sabbath day. Don't let him. He will bring every accusation. He will bring everything. But remember Christ. His perfect life, his perfect death, and his resurrection. Come to the table by faith. But if you don't have faith, do not come. Only come if you have faith. And look into Jesus and to him alone for blessing and for nourishment. Amen.